Welcome, Bird Gang. On today's show, we ask a couple of questions. In the Cliff Kingsbury offense, how important is the tight end position? And if it is important, then that room needs some work. Max Williams and Darrell Daniels, they need help after Dan Arnold chose to take his talents elsewhere. Another question, and there is no wrong answer here, was it a better throw or a better catch? It's Cardinals Cover 2, episode 435, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2 with Craig Grealoux and Mike Jarecki. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Murray rolls to the right, throws near side to Fitz, caught, and he's into the end zone for the touchdown! Here's Craig Grealoux and Mike Jarecki. So we had a lot of fun with this last season, the Hale Murray Who did it better, Kyler Murray with the throw or DeAndre Hopkins with the catch? Fast forward seven months, MJ, and we're asking the same question, but with different participants. Jay Crowder or DeAndre Ayton of the Phoenix Suns? Which one? Crowder with the pass, the lob, or Ayton with the slam dunk? Well, the way I look at it, first of all, I mean, I don't know how many times he can do that without hitting the side of the backboard and... According to reports, they didn't even practice that play. I wasn't aware of the rule. You were there uh, a couple of years ago when they played Memphis Chandler. Uh, Tyson Chandler Tyson back in Chandler. 2017. Yeah, yes. And uh, so anyways, it was a playoff game. But if you look at improbable, I'm going with Kyler Murray throwing to DeAndre Hopkins. Okay, so you like that one better than the Jay Crowder to DeAndre Ayton. And for Bird Gang fans, we, the, again, we're – we here in Arizona, we all are focused on the Phoenix Suns, and rightfully so. What they are doing right now is tremendous, and it's got the entire valley and the entire state abuzz. We're talking about Game 2 of the Western Conference Finals. Suns beat the Clippers on a buzzer-beater alley-oop dunk as Crowder throws the ball, inbounds the ball from out of bounds, and it's not goaltending because it's a pass. So, again, it, it's and I loved what DeAndre Hopkins had to say. Quote, it's the DeAndre in us. And he had pictures with him catching the football and Aiton about the dunk, the basketball. This Suns team and the players, they're, as we've talked about it before here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. The synergy here amongst all professional teams, and we are seeing Cardinal players. DJ Humphreys, Justin Pugh, they were both at the game on game two. So it's fun. And again, when we talked about the Hale Murray and the better throw or better catch, when we talked about it, you know, we that kind of got stirred up a lot of discussion and it went viral, as they say. We all both thought it was Kyler Murray with the throw. And when you look at what Jay Crowder and DeAndre Ayton did, I'm going to go with the throw again, the pass, just because, as you said, the angle from out of bounds and making sure it doesn't hit the side of the backboard and one has to get over Cousins' outstretched arms and then just the timing of it with Aiton with the slam dunk. But uh, it has certainly captured not only the attention of everyone in Arizona, but really nationally as well. I couldn't agree more with you about Jay Crowder in, in the past. And I, and I want to say this again. When we get a local team that's in the uh, playoffs, regardless of the sport, the community comes together, and you can see that. Yes, there have been a couple of knuckleheads that have gotten out of hand, and you don't see that now because they put out a statement. But you just see the Valley coming together, and it's realistic that this team can get to the NBA Finals and win it 
And so props to the Suns and, and props to the fans because I can tell you Cardinal fans and the organization missed fans last year. And the Phoenix Suns definitely have a home court advantage with that crowd. And how many times have we heard Cardinal players during OTAs and minicamp reference the fans and now hoping that that carries over to State Farm Stadium and the 2021 regular season? By the way, this entire playoff run, it's the only way that we have gotten a glimpse, if you will, of Larry Fitzgerald. It's the only time he's been out in public and he was kind of front and center. Another piece of video that you showed me earlier in the week that uh, when that shot was made, uh, Fitz became a little bit more of a fan than I think we've ever seen him before. He actually ventured onto the courts and technically, MJ, the game was not over. But, uh, well, you're Larry Fitzgerald, as we've said. You can basically do whatever you want. It, is, it was almost like you're watching him in an NFL game when he gets a catch. and he Not so much the fist pump because he doesn't show up to the opponent, but he was so excited and he was on the court. And uh, good for Larry. Obviously, he's a guy that has a, a minority interest uh, with the Suns, and uh, it's more on the business side. It's not on the, on the personnel side. And, uh, again, it's just, you know, when I moved here in 88, you know, and Charles Barkley, I think, put us on the map in 92-93 and to get to the finals and lose to the Bulls in six. I mean, it's a son's town, but I do think over a period of time, and the reason I say that is because they're the original team. Cardinals moved here in 1988. You had the Coyotes move here from Winnipeg, and then obviously the Diamondbacks are an expansion club. So, But I do think it's turned into a football town, and it's a Cardinal town because now when I go to the store, I see kids wearing Cardinal jerseys, and that didn't happen when I moved here in the late 80s. Everyone loves a winner, and right now the Suns are winning, and let's hope that the Cardinals, as we said, carry on that momentum, and they capture the Valley, the state's attention come September. You know, I've talked about this with you probably on and off uh, our show and the podcast. Um, Chris Paul, I mean, the fact is that what he's done in a short amount of time, changing the culture, uh, you know, obviously, you know, he's he's a leader. You could see the development of DeAndre Ayton. I'm hoping that J.J. Watt can have the same impact with the Arizona Cardinals because, again, leader. Um, he's got skins on the wall like Chris Paul does, likely a Hall of Famer. Watt's going to be a Hall of Famer. I hope he has the same impact on the football field that – that Chris Paul has had with the Phoenix Suns. And as we mentioned, Watt and Paul, very good friends. They hooked up when Paul was playing with the Rockets and obviously Watt with the Houston Texans. This, by the way, a perfect segue because we talk about the Hale Murray and the Valley Oop as the Suns are calling that play. But the Hale Murray has advanced MJ into the quarterfinals for best play at the 2021 ESPYs. We talked about this a couple of weeks back. But again, this is a fan vote. This is up to you, Bird Gang, to get this play into the finals. You can vote on ESPN.com slash ESPYs. Again, ESPN.com slash ESPYs. But Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins now one of eight plays in the running. By the way, the competition is, I think, a great play, but let's be honest, it's, it's just not the Hale Murray. Clemson's Andrew Booth Jr. with a one-handed interception against Virginia. It was a great play, happened in the end zone, but it was the third quarter of a regular season game. It just didn't have the magnitude of a last-second Hale Murray, if you will, to put the Cardinals over the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, I'm, no disrespect, didn't see the play, but uh, keep walking. <laughs> well, hey. Yeah. 
Bird Gang can make sure that that play keeps walking. ESPN.com slash ESPYs. And it's really easy, and I actually think it's the first um, award that pops up. It is. You just got to touch the box. Then if you want to participate in all the other stuff, they have a little like a slideshow, but you can vote. And a lot of people are wondering, haven't they already won this award? They won the Clutch Performance Play of the Year at the uh, NFL Honors. So it's a little bit different award, but you could see based on what happened in that game, the Bills score, the Cardinals had to get the ball, and they obviously score a touchdown. And uh, you could see just – and it happened at the end of the game, not in the third quarter. Yeah, this is something now – it's the play of the year in the NFL. Now can it be the play of the year amongst all sports? I think that's what we're hoping to happen here. Best play at the 2021 ESPYs. Again, ESPN.com slash ESPYs. One more note on D-Hop before we talk tight ends. Pro Football Focus is doing a countdown. Their top – 50 players and it was announced earlier in fact on social media that D-Hop checks in at number 17 on Pro Football Focus's top 50 and they mentioned that there is no player outside of Hopkins that has at least 100 catches in each of the last three seasons and again you're talking about every single player offense defense special teams and we do know that Hopkins is one of the best wide receivers top three top five out there and we saw what he was able to do last year the numbers are off the charts now it's can he be better second year in the same system and be more familiar with the starting quarterback I think, you know, just based on the numbers, I, I know that he put up close to, what, 1,400 yards. Um, you know, to, he was targeted more than any other play, which makes total sense. Uh, I would like to see more touchdowns. I know average yards per catch. Is he getting targeted 8 to 10 times a game? Now you're looking at 160-plus, maybe uh, 170 with a, an extra game here. But I think he would trade all that in for wins, and I think, that you know, the fact that he was in Houston – he did get a chance to play in the postseason, so he's got a taste of it. But, um, again, I'm fine with those numbers. I just want to see some more touchdowns and that maybe it happens more in the red zone, even though I think this team is going to you know, try to run it. But also, if he's drawing one-on-one coverage, um, you got to throw the ball to him. And if you want to see Hopkins in action in the entire Arizona Cardinals team, Bird Gang, you can do that. There are a couple of Protect the Nest plans available as we speak. You can go to azcardinals.com slash tickets or call the Cardinals ticket sales office at 602-379-0102. Each of the Protect the Nest plans feature four games, including a prominent primetime matchup at State Farm Stadium. Again, azcardinals.com slash tickets or call the Cardinals ticket sales office at 602-379-0102. State Farm Stadium with fans in attendance. We saw limited capacity a year ago, but to have that entire building filled with Cardinal fans certainly is going to make, I think, a tremendous difference for the Cardinals coming up in 2021. Also, which might help the Cardinals in 2021, MJ, is the tight end. And before we kind of go into who is on the roster, who returns, some of the newcomers, and perhaps maybe some of the players that might be out on the market, this is the one position where I do think there will be an addition ahead of training camp. And I know you've talked about running back and inside linebacker, but I do, I'm not going to go on on a limb, but if you're going to rank the positions that's after minicamp that the front office might explore to say, you know what, we like what we have, but we think we can get better. I would put tight end at the top of that list. 
I would agree with you. And, you know, I followed up uh, what I asked Cliff about his tight ends, and they're really like uh, Max Williams and Darrell Daniels, and then you look like a couple of the undrafted free agents. And then you look at it, and he said, yeah, that's a position we we're going to try to address. So you look on paper. I mean, there's a couple guys out there. I threw out Tyler Eifert, but he has hinge history with, with injuries. Now, Zach Hurts. This comes, uh, you know, with the compensation, which is draft pick. Uh, you know, I don't know if Jordan Hicks would be involved, and I'm just, you know, throwing stuff out there. But he's also owed, you know, a good portion of money, and I don't know if the Cardinals want to invest it in there. Um, he's a guy that's dealt with some injuries, but he's a name. How about Demetrius Harris? He's 6'7". Um, he's um, actually about 29 years old. He played in Chicago the last couple of years. He's played in, you know, 15 games. Um He's been targeted between 27. I think they want a pass-catching tight end. They have the blockers there. And, again, they'll likely keep three on the roster. In a perfect scenario, you have the blockers. And then if you really want to go four wide, you can put a, you know three wide receivers and a tight end out there just on matchups. And so I do think it's a position they, they will address. But I, I like the size. I like the age and the fact that you know he looks like he can catch the ball. Um, you know, he's never really had, you know, over 35 catches. And then there's Jesse James. Yes, Jesse James. He was in Detroit. Not the outlaw. Jesse James yeah. who played with the Lions. Yeah, Lions and then started his career in Pittsburgh. Now, he, he's been targeted like 63 times, 43 catches, 60 uh, times, 39. I like where he's at. He's been in the league six years. Another guy's got good size, 6'7", 250, only 27 years old. Um, so there's some names out there, but I do think they're going to address that position. Now, when it comes to running back, um, we'll get into that when it comes to the position. I don't think inside linebackers in need right now because, you know, on paper, um, you know, um, there was an agreement with Jordan Hicks, so I anticipate him being a, a pro's pro. He'll be there for training camp. And then you look at, you know, guys like um, Tanner Vallejo and, and Zeke Turner, and we'll see if Evan Weaver can make a jump. And Kylie Fitz is more of an edge guy, so – I, right now, I'd cross that off the list. Running back, uh, we'll do that when we do the running back position because there's a few guys out there uh, that I think can help. And hopefully, you don't have to play those guys. It's more for depth. So you look at the top, you know Chase Edmonds, uh, you throw in Connor, uh, Jonathan Ward, and we'll see the rest. But I think it's more for insurance. Some background here on why we think tight end might be the position that gets addressed. And you just go back and read between the lines. GM Steve Kime said on March 22nd that they would look at the tight end market, but, quote, we don't want to force anything or put ourselves in a bad situation from a contract standpoint. That was before the draft. After the draft, Kime said he expected the position to be addressed in free agency. So that's two from the general manager. Then Drew Grigson on the Big Red Rage back in May mentioned the need to improve that room. And then, as you said, your question to Kingsbury asked about it at the start of OTAs, said they were still evaluating, seeing who was out there, but, quote, we'll definitely try to add some depth there at some point. So that is the basis on why we think that the Cardinals will add a name or two, probably just one. And I'll throw another name out at you, Trey Burton from the Colts, who if you look at your at what you were saying as far as you want someone who has the ability to be a big, big target and have the ability to catch, maybe not block. I mean, it's you need your tight ends to block, but... You've got that with Max Williams. You've got that with Darrell Daniels. But if you want that pass catcher to help negate the loss of Dan Arnold, 
who is out there on the market. And not everyone points to Zach Ertz, but as you pointed out, he's under contract. So something would have to give there as far as whether the Cardinals and Ertz are able to come together in some form and of agreements via trade unless Ertz gets released, which is what I think he hopes happens. But right now, we're just kind of speculating on the free agency because that's an easy fix. You just pick up the phone, call the agent, say, we want your guy, and you put him uh, in the room, put pen to paper, and all of a sudden you've got your tight end. And they did work out, Jake, but I was told it was an okay workout. Obviously, guys dealt with injury. He recently signed with the Chicago Bears. Uh, Trey Burton, to me, he was part of that Philly special. Um, so he got paid. You know, Obviously, teams try to acquire guys that have a ring, bring some leadership to the locker room, but he didn't do a whole lot when he was in um, – Indianapolis uh, the last year he, he played in 13 games uh, four starts uh, he had 28 catches did have three touchdowns and he's a little bit on the on the uh, smaller side 6'2-238 so he's he's not the blocking tight end but he may fit the profile and again he's he's you know he's only 29 years old so you know I, I think maybe that his best days are behind him. But when you're at, talking about a third-string tight end that has experience, I mean, you look at the games he's played in, he's played in um, 98 games and started 30 of those in his career. So that's exactly what you look for. But I'm kind of intrigued with Demetrius Harris and also Jesse James. Again, I'm just throwing darts, uh, not say, saying anything's going to stick. But we know that position, they'll address it. And maybe it's going to wait just to training camp starts. So, you know, I'm sure all these guys want to be in camp to know where they're going to be for the upcoming season family-wise. Um, so I, I think it's going to happen. But right now, there's not a whole lot of people in the building. <laughs> that is true. We are uh, deep in the summer break, if you will, before things really pick up at the end of July. But you did say Steve Kime obviously has a Rolodex. They have an idea. He could pick the phone up anytime uh, and make a deal. That that's that can happen. And, you know, again, uh, you look at the roster, I'm sure they can look at the back of the end of the roster and they can create some roster moves if they decided to do it now or later. Well, heck, we learned over the last year and a half the ability to work from home. Everyone did it, so it's very easy to yeah. conduct business from your living room or out on your couch. The, the, the other question is, if the Cardinals do not address Titan, despite everything that has been said to date, does that indicate what this offense might look like? Four wide receivers as opposed to more of the two tight end sets. And it gets into the discussion on just how important is the tight end to what Kingsbury wants to do. Because we keep hearing him say that it's important, yet it's just not utilized a lot. But does that change if you have a pass-catching tight end? I just think, you know, to me, when it comes to the tight ends, um, that's why I like Williams and, and Daniels is because they're blockers. I mean, they have enough skill position players to make uh, catches and, you know, yards after catch. And, you know, that, that guy was Dan Arnold. And obviously he didn't live up to the expectations, you know. Um, I thought he was a threat on the seam. Kyler Murray obviously trusted throwing the ball. He took some big hits. But that was the guy – Again, I don't know how many – at the end of the season, where's Max Williams or Darrell Daniels when it comes to, to snaps, okay? Hopefully Williams can stay healthy. They're going to be up there. Um, and we're going to get into the numbers, 10, 11, and 12 personnel. And I look at the um, – you know, you start looking at positional spending, and the Cardinals right now, they've invested $7.7 million to their tight end position, which is third in the league, but also they've invested $42 million to their offensive line. So you look at it, and then obviously with Hopkins' contract, about $26 million to the wide receivers. The running backs right now, about $6 million. Kyler Murray, about eleven five with Colt McCoy. So positional spending-wise, 
it's feasible. Um, but again, these guys are going to get a minimum deal. They'll basically get, um, you know, uh, if you're active on game day or if you're on the 53, you're going to get a bonus there. So it's, it's not a money thing, and, and they have money under the cap. It's more about fit. But I think, you know, they, they would like to get another veteran guy versus reliance on these undrafted free agents. And they're going to have three tight ends on the roster. Maybe two are active on game day. Maybe all three, as we saw a couple of times last season. But you look at some of the numbers, 27 touchdowns by pass catchers last season, and six of those went to the tight end four to Dan Arnold. So it's not really a position that is targeted a lot, especially inside the red zone, but I do think it would be effective between the 20s, from your 20 to the opponent's 20 as far as the middle of the field, especially if you've got receivers, whether they're four or three, and you just spread out, then all of a sudden maybe the middle is open. We saw Kyler Murray, you know, if he drops back and sees that middle wide open, regardless of what's called, he knows he can run straight ahead, make a couple of tacklers miss, and all of a sudden he's got 10, 15, 20 yards on the ground. Can that be a tight end, though, coming up in 2021? I I, I still go back to, and you have the numbers in front of you, um, I still think 11 and 12 personnel are going to be one and two. I know everyone's you know fixated that you know go four wide. Now that you really think on paper you have four wide receivers, we'll see about AJ Green. I'm looking forward to watching him uh, develop in this offense. We know about Rondell Moore on paper, and we talked about Christian Kirk a bounce back here. But I still think 11 personnel is three wide receivers, a tight end, okay, and and then one running back. So there's so much you can do out of that formation. The tight end could release based on you know, uh, the linebacker or safety trying to cover the slot receiver or the outside guys. So, uh, I don't. I, again, I don't, just don't know how much you're going to be involved in the offense. But that pop pass you're talking about, I agree with you. That you know, you 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 know, if you have to protect for a second or two and then you release, that pop pass is a very easy throw for any quarterback over the middle, uh, depending on where the inside linebackers are. But I I do think 11 and 12 personnel will be one two, and then I think. A little distant, you're going to see four wide, and again, four wide for me to be is getting in the field position before the half, uh, trying to uh, you know with the hurry up offense based on timeouts and down in distance. But if this team feels like they can push the ball down the field against an opponent, that's how you start the game, so you get an advantage, and then hopefully you can play with a lead. And this team we know needs to learn how to finish, finish quarters, finish halves, and finish games. You referenced the numbers. Here they are as far as looking at what the Cardinals offensively did in 2020. 11 personnel, meaning one tight end, 46% of the time. League average was 60%. They ran 12 personnel, which is two tight ends, 30% of the time. Third most behind the Eagles and Titans. Those teams checked in at 35 and 34% respectively. League average was 20%. So Cardinals a little bit more heavy on the 12 personnel versus 11. But I think a lot of that had to do with inside the red zone where you're looking for more blockers as opposed to throwing the football. But they also had 22 rushing touchdowns, uh, 10 from Kenyon Drake, 11 from Kyler Murray, and then Chase Edmonds. You know, the Patriots were the worst last year. What they do the first day of free agency? Went out and signed two really good tight ends. We know back in the day, Aaron Hernandez and Rob Gronkowski's. And to me, when you look at why Philadelphia did that, because you're trying to protect Jalen Hurts. And then when you look at, you know, Ryan Tannehill in that running game, um, you're going to use an extra tight end for a blocker. And that's, you know, I look at those two other situations. So, and again, uh, I really think they want to line up and run the football. I would like to see two tight ends out there at time. We could see two running backs in the game. 
You know, so I think they got a lot of um, options, but don't get cute. Figure out what works and go with it. Yes, and make sure you're able to adapt, which we saw year one from Kingsbury. You noted it when Christian Kirk went down. The offense did switch and become very effective even when Kirk came back. But at his core, Kingsbury is under that air raid system. He doesn't run an air raid system, but he is, as a former quarterback, he likes to throw the football. And you've been very... Very key on the tight end position because there was also another question to Kingsbury. This is back on May 1st, and I believe it was your question as well, MJ, as far as running the offense and the tight end position. And Kingsbury at that time said, quote, we're going to put guys out there that we think give us the best chance to win, whether that's 11, 12, 13 personnel. Then he added this, which I think is going to stick with a lot of people as far as trying to figure out what's going to happen in 2021. Quote, I like the four wide receivers that we can roll out there right now. This team ran four wide a league high 20% of the time. League average was 2%. So that quote on May 1st, and this was at the end of the draft, this was on that Saturday. Quote, I like the four wide receivers that we can roll out there right now. And he's obviously talking about Hopkins, Green, Kirk, and then the draft pick, Rondell Moore. So, yes, despite everything that has been done with this roster, Sean Kugler getting elevated to run game coordinator, the addition of Rodney Hudson, Brian Winters, re-signing Kelvin Beecham, yes, you'd like to say we're going to run the ball more, yet at the same time, here's a coach saying we like the four wide receivers that we can roll out there right now. Does that an indication that we might see more four wide, at least at the onset of the regular season? I think it needs to be a wrinkle in the offense. Your base offense is 11 and 12 personnel. The numbers reflect it. So, and listen, they learned the hard way. They couldn't protect the edges. Now the offensive line has been in the system. They kind of have an idea when it comes to muscle memory when Kyler, Kyler Murray is going to get rid of the ball. So, but. It's, it has. To, I have no problem with it being in a wrinkle in the offense. Buffalo's another team that runs four wide just because of, the, of Josh Allen. And they're, they're, they don't have the uh, household name tight ends. I mean, Zach Ertz could end up there. They got some guys that can stretch the field, at least last year. Cole Beasy, good slot receiver. John Brown, Stephon Diggs. I think they, it showed up in the, in the uh, AFC Championship game that they couldn't run the football. So... But they're the other team. We don't see the Ravens drawing it. I'm looking at the Rams. They ran 11 personnel 65% of the time. How many times did they run four, four wide? Um, the Rams, it looks like um, they only had three plays when they ran four wide. And then when the Rams, when they go at two wide receivers, 30%, uh, for the most part, they, don't, they stay in their base offense because of matchups and their play callers. So uh, I think it's a wrinkle in the offense. And I like when they go up-tempo, you just can't go three and out. Bottom line, do whatever works. Whatever is moving the football, gaining first downs, getting into the red zone, scoring touchdowns, however you have to do it, do it to be successful better than your opponents on that particular Sunday. I do like the wrinkle that you used to describe, and now I guess we'll just have to kind of wait and see. As we continue here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. And by the way, Bird Gang, I'll keep mentioning it, you can see what this offense is going to look like. Protect the Nest ticket plans available right now. azcardinals.com slash tickets or calling the Cardinals ticket sales office at 602-379-0102. Each Protect the Nest includes 
Well, the plan includes four games plus a prominent primetime matchup. I should say including a prominent primetime matchup. There's the red plan and the white plan. azcardinals.com slash tickets for information. Also, by calling the Cardinals ticket sales office at 602-379-0102. All right, let's get into more as far as the players currently on the Cardinals rosters. And we know the familiar names, and we've talked about a couple of them, uh, both of them, in fact, Max Williams and Darrell Daniels. Williams, I think, is the key, and the key is can he be healthy? According to Kingsbury, Williams has looked great in practice, talking about OTAs and minicamp, and then Kingsbury added this, quote, he's running back to how he was when he first got here, end quotes, which is great news because I do think that ankle injury that he suffered in training camp really lingered throughout the entire season. He started eight games, played in nine, but there were seven games in which he was out and it ultimately cost him five games on IR from weeks three to seven. But if you have a healthy Max Williams, not only do you have that blocker, but you do have someone who can certainly catch the football, whether that's lining up in the slot or from a three-point stance and then releasing. He did have eight catches for 102 yards and one touchdown. But again, referencing that ankle injury that cost him seven games overall, I think he might be one of the key pieces that not a lot of people talk about when you look at this Cardinals offense. I think it's a good observation, and I agree with you. And that's the problem when things linger, high ankle sprains, groins, hamstrings, and you know, he wants to be out there. I mean, they gave him a contract extension, but uh, he's my meat and potatoes guy on this team. So I, I like – and again, he can catch the ball. I know he dropped one in the sun. Um, he made a catch last year just before uh, going out of bounds. Um, but I, I think more blocking. But if he gets a chance to, to release, he can be a, a guy that you can target, uh, especially on third down, easy throw. You're not going to have Larry Fitzgerald out there um, if he doesn't come back. And usually he's your go-to guy. Now it's – he hasn't been targeted as much, but you know Fitz would find the sticks. you got to hope that Williams can do that from a tight end position. And you're not looking for Max Williams or any tight end to have 50 catches no. a season. I know there was a lot of talk about what Dan Orla could potentially be, and I think we all kind of caught up, got caught up in that hype. But I think you're just looking for someone 25 to 30 catches yeah. and just be effective when you need that third down and maybe you – find someone in the in the end zone that's open. I just think it's it's not going to be a huge part, but it could play a huge part within the offense. Yeah, Dan Arnold last year at 45 uh, targets, 31 yards. Uh, that's what I thought. I mean, I thought he'd be, you know, he averaged four, 14 yards a catch. Um, four touchdowns, I mean, it's not chopped liver. Um, you know, he played on all 16 games, started five. If anybody does that this year, I think it, it's uh, it, that means your offense is clicking where you're spreading the ball around a little bit more. So I would sign up for any of those guys, whether it's Max or Durrell or the, the pass-catching tight end. Again, they, they want to get Hopkins involved. They want to get that running game involved. They want to use the, utilize the running backs in the passing game. They want to utilize Rondell Moore in different facets. Uh, and then Christian Kirk, and then you throw A.J. Green. So... I don't think you're going to see a lot of um, targets, but if they're open, you got to throw it to them. Max Williams is the perfect guy as far as the ability to do both. 
catch the football and block. Then you have Darrell Daniels, who is more of the blocking tight end, getting better as far as catching the football. He had eight catches for 92 yards and one touchdown last season. He was re-signed in the offseason to a one-year contract, appeared in 12 games, including a career-high eight starts. More on special teams, however, and he's a key piece on special teams. And there was that conversation, and I'll say conversation, it looked heated, but that's in the moments on the sidelines where you kind of have to raise your voice to get heard. The conversation between Kyler Murray and Darrell Daniels, and I can't remember what game it was, but Daniels wasn't where he was supposed to be, and if he was, maybe it's a bigger play. And I just think if you get Darrell Daniels on the same page, and again, I think offense, it's still kind of new for him as far as being a focal point or at least being on the football field on a consistent basis. But I do like what Darrell Daniels, the potential of what he can be and be that Max Williams as far as the dual threat tight end catch and block. Yeah, and I think Kyler Murray, I mean, he's showing leadership. The only reason why they saw this is because it was on TV and a couple of minutes later they were hugging. So, yeah, I mean, it, he, you know, th- that's frustrating for a quarterback. You work on it all week, and you're not in the spot you should be, and it could have been where you can move the change, you can score points off of it. So, um, again, mental errors, um, they're, learning, uh, they're learning tools for any player out there. Nobody's perfect. They're human. But, you know, I, I think he's got a role in this team, and, and the fact is that he does play on special teams. And uh, in a lot of guys, when you're a backup in this league and either the bigs or the, the skill position players, you have to play on special teams, and he's done a good job on that. Uh, and I love that catch he made last year. Kyler Murray, he, it was a needle in the end zone, and he was able to come down with the ball. Daniels, 6'3", 256, compared to Max Williams, 6'4", 252. There's not much difference there. But if Darrell Daniels, and I do think we've seen improvement from him over the last couple of seasons, and that's what you like. You want to see that development. You don't need to have him be the star, at least not yet, but I just I think whether you're a star tight end on the Cardinals, I think we have to de- kind of define what star means when the tight end position. Yeah, we look at Darren Fells. You know, he was a big guy, but he, a lot of times he was open. Jermaine Gresham was both. He can block at the line of scrimmage, uh, and then he would release out. You know, maybe we're saying, you know, Darrell Daniels is the meat and potatoes in the next couple of years. Max Williams, you know, he's got to stay healthy. Uh, he signed a two-year extension. Uh, but I, I think Daniels knows his role, and that's blocking. Uh, cut it down on the mental errors and make sure you you're, uh, excel on special teams. In other words, you can't jump off sides or anything, and don't let the guy get uh, behind. Or uh, you got to make sure you block him up front. So, uh, but I do like the one-two punch. Again, it's not going to be any sexy things that they'll do, but they're going to they're going to help guys in the in the trenches where physicality will be part of the game. As we continue here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Again, Max Williams, Darrell Daniels are back. Here are the newcomers, Ross, Travis, Ian Bunting, Kerry Angeline, Bruno LaBelle, and Bernhard Sykovitz. Travis is the experienced amongst those players. He's got 25 games, including seven starts over a four-year career. He's had stops with the Chiefs, Colts, and Jets. He was a... I, wouldn't, I, I guess you could say, yeah, he was a late offseason addition, if you will, and I think they were kind of looking to increase the depth at tight end, so that's why Ross Travis was brought in. We'll have to see what he can do come training camp. Then you've got Bunting, who was not on an NFL roster last season. He was released on the final roster cuts with the Colts, and then Angeline and LaBelle, rookie free agents, 
Angeline is out of NC State. LaBelle went to Cincinnati. So those four names right there, can you find someone to be that third tight end or third and fourth tight end so you don't need to go the free agency routes or try to maybe figure out a way to get Zach Ertz out of Philadelphia? I think you look at Angeline and LaBelle, they're completely different. One's a pass catcher and one's a blocker. To me, those guys got practice squad written all over them. We know Sykovitz is, 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 doesn't count against the 90-man or 53-man roster, so he's going to go on the practice squad. And again, this year, you don't have to have a extra kicker or a punter or a long snapper because of COVID. So I think they're going to load up at certain positions, and we could see at least two or three tight ends. Well, we know Sykovitz is in there. They could take two of these guys. So they're going to flood the position. Normally, you bring six or seven to camp, and you keep three on the roster. But I think they're looking at the future at some of these guys because some of these guys opted out and didn't get a chance to play last year. I do want to touch on Sykovitz because he is certainly an intriguing player in this discussion, and whether that's a discussion for this season or seasons to come. But part of that league's international player pathway program, you're right, MJ, he does not count against the roster. He would not count as far as the practice squad if they designate him as such, although if they do think he can be a player this season, then he would be one of those practice squad players that you could call up on Friday and be active or available on Sunday. But 23 years old from Vienna, Austria, six foot five, 262 pounds, loved his introductory press conference. It might be the quotes of the offseason, maybe even a 2021. He played soccer when he was younger, but gravitated towards football and really likes the physicality of the sport because, quotes, you can do stuff you really can't do in real life. You can hit people. You can just lose your mind, basically. That excites me, end quote. And then he kind of doubled down a little bit on that. On this week's Big Red Rage, he was a guest with Paul Calvisi and Ron Wolfley. And he was asked about, again, why he so much likes football. And he talked about manhandling another guy. Quote, it's a really great feeling, end quote. So Sykovitz, and yes, you can call him Psycho. That is his nickname. It's not something that was bestowed upon him by any of us or Wolf or anything like that. Psycho, that is what he is called in the locker room by his friends, so we will do so as well. And it's a perfect fit. Not only, you know, just the, the, the manner in which we think he plays because of what he has told us about his play. It just, I think, I, I'm, I'm holding out hope that there is something there. Maybe it's me being too optimistic that the transition will be too much for him, but I am going to say I'll be optimistic to see the potential of what Sykovitz can be once things really speed up. OTAs and minicamp, it was more of a glorified walkthrough. He even acknowledged it that wasn't really doing much. I thought the speed would be a lot faster, but as he acknowledged, well, you know, you can't do that right now. It's going to pick up come training camp how does he react to full pads full speed well i tell you what Hassan reddick he wore number 43 this guy wears number 43 65 262 23 years old i just think it, it, it's a flyer it because it, after this season um you know another division is going to get a chance to some of these international players i hope he can show enough to where the cardinals feel like if, if he can develop because he looks the part and i like the way he catches the football Usually, you know, you see some guys catch it with their chest. He runs routes, they're crisp, he comes back to the ball, and he catches with his hands. And you got to watch him turn up the field. You could see he's worked on that. So work in progress, 
Um, but I don't think we're going to see him this year when it comes to the roster. Yeah, and I, I'm, I tend to agree with you. I just, again, if he can catch the ball, so that is one aspect. But how is he as far as putting his hand in the dirt and blocking, whether that's a defensive lineman or a linebacker? He's got the body to do it. I'm, I'm, what, I, what I'm looking at here is they could offer him a futures contract after the season because he'll be a free agent. So you just develop him. But I was intrigued. It's just he's really raw. Like he does – you know, you could see that he's 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 an athlete. He's a physical guy. Um, like I said, he passes the eye test. It's just a matter of him, like like putting his hand in the dirt. Can he block a defensive end? You don't want the quarterback to get hit. But that's that's all work in progress. And I look to, I look forward to seeing him in in the preseason. Can you imagine if he gets a preseason touchdown. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Not only if, it, especially if it's a home game, but just the and, and literally bird game. The international audience, and all of a sudden you have another fan you know a section of fans across the globe that are paying attention to your team that's that's not why this program is in place it's to try to get everyone in, an opportunity to become an NFL player from other countries like Austria and I do think it certainly benefits the NFL to get more of a reach across the world I mean I'm not saying throw them a bone but I, I think you know when you get to that third preseason game now who takes the third preseason game <laughs> <laughs> Very well done there. <laughs> but I mean, it, it, kind of reward him. I mean, he's got to go out there and play. I mean, you're not. It's not a you know a charity event. I'm just saying in general, it'd be so nice for him. What he's went through, learning the language, didn't have a driver's license, was quarantined for 14 days, and then all of a sudden you you slide him on the practice squad, and you know it's like. It's a great story. I'm rooting for him. There's no doubt about that. I like what he had to say on the Big Red Rage as far as the transition, not only to the U.S., but to the NFL. Everyone has has welcomed him with open arms. Max Williams among the first players to reach out to him, and I think that speaks volumes of what Max is as a person, but someone, again, in the same position room. Now, all of a sudden, Psycho has someone that he can ask questions to and you know maybe follow around a little bit. I'll say this. He has, talking about Psycho, he has made an impression. Again, I'll revisit a conversation that Drew Grigson had on the Big Red Rage, talking about Psychovitz during rookie minicamp was picking things up well. He wasn't swimming, so it, it again, it's it's a very small sample size of what we've seen from him and what we've heard from him, but because of the situation that we discussed at the start of this show, as far as needing to address the position, can Psycho maybe be an option? Maybe he does impress. Maybe he does surprise. Maybe it's not at the start of the season. Maybe they see enough and say, you know what, we're going to hold off right now. Maybe it is maybe later in the year. I don't know. I'm just... Again, I'll be the eternal optimist here talking about Psychovich. Yeah, I, like I said, if he's on the field, that's probably not a good thing. <laughs> and I don't mean to – I mean, I like the story, but we're, we have to be realistic here. I don't want people to think, well, he's going to start. I mean, just pump the brakes, let him develop. I mean, this is not an easy transition. I kind of like saying Psychovich, though, Yeah, because be- I can pronounce it. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. You always you always give someone a nickname on a name that you have difficulty pronouncing, and uh, yeah, Sykovitz it just kind of rolls off yeah, the tongue. I, yeah, even the first name. By the way, a very entertaining conversation with Psycho and Ron Wolfley and Paul Calvisi. You're in fact, kidding. In fact, uh, <laughs> Wolf even asked to uh, learn a little German as well. So that is up on the archives on azcardinals.com. But if you want to make sure you never miss a Big Red Rage or Cardinals Underground or Cardinals Red Sea Report, of course, this show, Cardinals Cover 2, just subscribe to Arizona Cardinals Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, TuneIn, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. That way you never miss any 
any of your favorite shows. They all right come into the palm of your hand on your telephone. All right, speaking of tight end, and this is not a knock on Sykovitz because J.J. Watt could be targeted more than Sykovitz this year. Now, I don't know, you, clearly 32 games missed in the last five years. Now, you have the numbers. When's the last time that he actually caught a football as a tight end in the NFL? It's been a while, MJ. In fact, you got to go all the way back to 2014. But he is an intriguing option, if you will, and it has been brought up by enough people, not by J.J. Watt himself, but can he be that guy that gets some time on the offensive side of the football? Three career catches, all touchdowns, on four targets. Those three touchdowns, though, all came in 2014. He hasn't been targeted since 2015. I, I guess it depends on I get you know how well things are going for him defensively, how well the team is performing. Is it a wrinkle that you could put in the offense right now as we speak and then roll it out week 12, week 13 as a quote-unquote surprise or something that an opposing team is not ready for? I'm sure. I mean... Heck, a year ago at this time, people were talking about Lecky Fotu as a fullback just because of his rugby background. Didn't see any of that during the regular season, but I'm sure, you know, Kingsbury, very creative. It it might be, as you say, a wrinkle in the offense. I mean, I, I if you're thinking you got J.J. Watt out there, wouldn't you want to make sure he's a blocker? But again, it's if you got Hopkins on one side and, you know, the back shoulder fade. I'm not a big fan of throwing it to a smaller receiver. So, and then we know Kyler Murray and James Conner and Chase Edmonds. So you get down there, but again, you don't want to get too cute. Um, but it is something if you know if you work on it for a few weeks and you see uh, the, the formation because we know the short, the field gets a lot shorter. Then you roll it out, but it, it's something that you don't force just because it's J.J. Watt. No, and you're not going to surprise a lot of people, I guess, when if you do see number 99 trotting out onto the field. I mean, he's you're not going to hide him. Well, I mean, he's going to be easy to spot. Yeah, I got a good idea. Then you just line him up as a wide receiver, <laughs> make him stay out there, and all of a sudden you got they got to have a guy run out to him, and then just have James Conner just run it down their throat. We did get a glimpse of Watts as a wide receiver during a, I can't remember if it was I mean, was it mini camp when he was it was it OTAs all right he was first day he was trying to help the defense and lined up as scout team wide receiver and he was running a little bit of a go route against Byron Murphy he was just trying to help Vance Joseph and he, because and he was looking for the uh, over the shoulder <laughs> throw where he could he, I think he caught it with one hand instead of trash cans he's like no 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 I, I'll go out there so yeah. you know first in line for drills and of course first in line if everyone needs an extra wide receiver or tight end yeah I mean he I didn't even think about him being a tight end the uh, other option. You can use, yeah, you can use. Imagine if they went out there with like three tight ends on the goal line. Now you'd have three on the roster if they're active. Three tight ends, JJ Watt and Lucky Foto? Yeah. <laughs> and then pounded it. I don't in. know about Foto because, well, stationary. He does, you don't want to get him in a four point stance, right? No. By the way, uh, just because we're talking Plus, about. like, you guys are so. <laughs> you're way off here. We right. would never do any of that All stuff. Right. Speaking of way off, if we're going to bring up J.J. Watt, the other option at tight end, which has certainly been a subject all off season, I can, I think I can pretty much guarantee it's not. But Bergang, in full disclosure, we'll talk about all things here on Cardinals Cover Two, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, Larry Fitzgerald. We know he 
doesn't like to block, but he is certainly very good, and he can certainly catch. I don't know if he doesn't. He knows it's part of the job. I mean, I just that's the way he approaches. Everything. I think everything. It's part of the. You know, it's just you don't want to be a one-trick pony, according to Todd Haley, and that motivate him. So, yeah, we'll just have to wait and see. I don't think we're going to get any announcement why the Suns are still in the playoffs. Uh, he would never trump that. And maybe you know we get to August, and uh, you know we see Larry Fitzgerald. Just won't be as a tight end. I, I just, it's, it's just not going to happen. I had to throw it out there just to make sure we cover all our bases. I just, it's, it's no, it's not going to happen. JJ Watt has better, has better odds of catching a pass than Larry Fitzgerald from the tight end position in 2021. Yeah, I mean, they have enough slot receivers. I mean, but you, you could find a role for Larry Fitzgerald. Oh, absolutely. Whether it's 30 snaps, I mean, he's good on the hands team. I mean, he's one of the best hands in football. So you, you could find a spot for him. Right now, though, Fitz's a little bit uh, preoccupied with uh, another team in the Valley, and that is the uh, Phoenix Suns. Certainly want to wish them the best in the Western Conference Finals against the Los Angeles Clippers, as that kind of brings this show full circle. So on that note, we will put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro. For Mike Jarecki, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.